Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we have Jen Rosen. Jen, hey, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, so welcome. So how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm in cold, snowy New York. Wow, yeah. (laughs) How many inches do you got? We got, last week we got about a foot of snow. So it's still on the ground, but it's it's warming up a little bit. So hopefully it'll be gone soon. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We don't have any snow. We're in like 40s, like raining and nothing happening much. It's just like gray and rain. Yeah. You... That gray winter blahs. Yeah. It's winter depression rain. weather. So it's like <laughs> off. So for the people that don't know you, introduce yourself real quick. Sure. Well, um, I am by profession a boudoir photographer and I have been for about 12 years now. Um, but I am also an author, a writer and a cancer survivor. And I that all sort of works together. I help uh, empower women from behind the lens and in front of the lens. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that's a mouth, mouthful. That's like awesome. So how do you like... You're, you've been shooting for 12 years. Like, how did you got into photography? Because that's where it all started, pretty much. Yeah, it was totally an accident, to be honest with you. Um, so I had uh, I had a daughter um, back in 2005. I'm, I'm being tested now. Back in 2005, I had my daughter. And um, I was a stay-at-home mom. And um, a few years after that, you know, I decided I wanted to get a camera because, you know, I had studied art. Um, in for really my whole life, I had studied art, but I studied art in college and I went to fine art drawing and, and I figured, you know, okay, I'm artistic. Like how hard could, you know, using a camera be, it can't be that hard. Uh, so I got a camera and it turned out it was pretty hard to do actually. (laughs) I I had no idea what I was doing. So I kind of put the camera down. It felt overwhelming. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not the kind of person that reads, you know, that learns from reading book. I need to do, you know, like I need to have hands-on experiences. And I just really didn't have that much time being a mom and and all, you know, the things that are involved with that. So um, my daughter started going to school and and I decided, you know, I wanted to have another baby. And we had some complications, um, some back to back complications. And um, long story short, it turned out to be kind of a dark period in my life because there were just so many issues that were really attacking my femininity. I mean, I always kind of felt that, you know, it's difficult enough to protect your children after you have them. If you can't protect them in your own body, you know, that then what? And um, it was really just a difficult thing for me. And, and when I say I was dealing with infertility, I was getting pregnant, but I was having trouble keeping the baby. So there was loss there. There was mourning. There was just a lot of um, feelings that were going on. So one day I basically said to myself, okay, listen, are you going to sit here and feel bad for yourself or are you going to do something about this? Um, And I decided to go back to the camera, pick up the camera and teach myself how to take pictures and and use the, uh, the camera. So I would sit there and um, I, I put a glass on the table and I started taking pictures of it. And then I moved a knob and I took another picture and then I moved a knob and I just kind of uh, kept going until I figured out what each knob did. And to make a really long story short, um, <laughs> what happened was a few months later, a friend of mine asked me if I would go assist her on a boudoir shoot. She was shooting um, two sisters and she needed some help. And so I went with her and I loved it. And I came home and said, I want to be a boudoir photographer when I grow up. So I changed my bedroom into a studio and my basement into an office. And I started a boudoir studio. And at the time, nobody was really doing that. So people thought I was crazy. <laughs> I just didn't care. I was like, well, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that that's really the long story short of it is, is that. And by the way, spoiler alert, I did get pregnant like the minute I started my business. So um, I have two kids now (laughs) that keep me very busy, as you heard right before we started recording. Yeah. So (laughs) did you always share also like other things or was it always like, I'm going to this kind of work and that's what I'm going. So when I first started, um, it was November 2008 and I photographed a few small weddings. I really had no interest in weddings, but um, my aunt 
was uh, an interfaith minister, and she used to marry couples in Central Park. A lot of them came over from Europe. They wanted to have these little, you know, New York City weddings. So they would have these really, really small, intimate weddings. And I would go with her and I would photograph them. And then I would sell them the pictures after. And honestly, like I made some good money with it. And and it was good because I got out of the house a little bit. You know, I was a stay-at-home mom. So it, it kind of served a lot of purposes for me. But I have to tell you, I was really bad at it. And I really didn't like it. I, I really didn't. It was good to get out of the house. It was good to make money. I have a problem. Like, I don't know how to have a hobby. Everything I do has to turn into making money somehow. But, um, you know, I just didn't enjoy. I just didn't enjoy it. I, I can't. I, so all the wedding photographers out there. I bow down to you. I do not know how you do it. So that was November 2008. I, I photographed a bunch of small weddings and I had a lot of small weddings booked. And then in, it, I think it was February 2009. So it wasn't so long after that I um, started, um, you know, when I went with my friend to that boudoir shoot, it might have even been January. I mean, I, it was really shortly after. And um, I never looked back, basically. I gave all the weddings that I had booked to somebody else that was way more talented than me. So those those couples really made out with a much better photographer. Um, and I just dedicated myself to boudoir at that point. And it, really, it was a very um, important decision for me because it wasn't like, you know, oh, I just want to do this. It was really very tactical. For me, it was like, okay, I want to be a boudoir photographer. This is what I want to do. This is the only thing I want to do. So right off the bat, I'm only going to dedicate myself to this. I I don't care about getting good at families or weddings or pets or kids. I never want to photograph that. <laughs> like I just, it just doesn't interest me. And and the truth is that it didn't interest me because it wasn't the photography that I was falling in love with. It was the women I was working with that really inspired me and pushed me. And although obviously the photography is so important, emotionally it was secondary to what I was doing with the women, if that makes sense. It does. So what is it in this in these women that inspires you that you wanted to You know, there's a there's a give and take when you photograph a client, you know, on a one on one basis like this. You know, when you are a wedding photographer, you are meant to be invisible, right? You're in the background, it's not about you, it's about the couple. When you uh, photograph a family, it's the same thing. You're really just trying to like bring out the personality of the family and the connection of the family. When you work one-on-one -on -one in a portrait setting um, and something so intimate like boudoir, there's a lot of give and take of conversation, of sharing secrets, of crying, laughing. Um, you know, most of the time women are doing it to celebrate something and that celebration can be anything from, you know, oh, it's my 30th birthday to it's my 60th birthday to it's a wedding, a divorce. Um, you know, I've got my body back after having babies or I'm going through infertility. So there's all different ends of each spectrum of why women do this. And I get to celebrate with them and I get to hear their intimate stories and I get to share in their struggles. And I'm very open about my own stories and struggles. So they get to share in mine. And because of that, we create this really beautiful bond. And, you know, I don't call myself a photographer. I consider myself a photographer therapist um, because what I do is very therapeutic. I do not have a therapy degree, <laughs> but uh, I have, you know, I'm, I'm from the school of hard knocks. I, <laughs> I have a lot of experience. Um, so, you know, what I do has a, has a lot of therapeutic aspect to it. And so... It's more than just a photo shoot. And, you know, these women, I help them see their beauty and their strength, and they help me see mine. So it's a beautiful exchange. Yeah. I I like the way that you approach it. That's, like, so authentic and honest and close to a heart. But I feel like you, like, you never, you, you haven't always been a photographer, right? No. So prior to my being a photographer, I was a stay-at-home mom for three years. And prior to that, I worked in a family business that has nothing to do with photography. Okay. So what did you do in your family business? I was the marketing and sales manager for my parents' business. They, um, <laughs> they don't do anything like what I do. They sell and manufacture intercom systems and nurse call systems. So if you're in the hospital and you have to press the button to call the nurse, that's what they do, basically. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. did you learn a lot of things on the marketing and uh, in your mom and pop business? 
that you still use today? I'll tell you what I learned in that business because I grew up in that business. My parents, it's funny that I started my business out of the basement of my house because my parents started this business out of the basement of my house when I was seven. Uh, and I don't want to tell you how old I am now, but their business has been around a very, very long time. So um, I'll tell you what I learned from them. Most importantly, even more importantly than marketing um, is that business, your business is a living and breathing object and it's okay to make change. Taking risks and taking calculated risks are two different things. You know, uh, taking risk is jumping out of an airplane. Taking a calculated risk is jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. And I, I always learned from my parents that there's really no such thing as failure, that anytime something is not working, you just make an adjustment. Um, you, you know, you just be aware of it and you adjust. You don't sit around and beat yourself up over it. Like this is the number one mistake I think business owners make. Something's not working. So they sit around, they go, why isn't that working? I'm so stupid. I, you know, why did I try that? Stop wasting your time beating yourself up. Just make an adjustment. You never know what's going to work until you try, especially in 2020. Things are changing so quickly right now with social media, marketing. I mean, marketing is completely different now than it was even a year or two ago. So um, I've just learned stop focusing on failure. Stop being afraid of failure. You may or may not fail just by the nature of things changing. You might try something and it works great today and it doesn't work tomorrow doesn't mean you failed it just means that the world's changed and you have to change along with it yeah there's so many photographers that like go nuts on uh building a website seo like trying to find like a million followers and then like sitting at their desk waiting for the phone to ring pretty much right yeah so, that doesn't work <laughs> no that doesn't work so, it's uh, like and you started like your boudoir business when nobody else was doing it yeah i mean i think there was like maybe five people in new york that were doing it now there's like five people in a 10 block radius of me doing it you know um it's it's really interesting it's changed a lot but But you know, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you my number one marketing tip, <laughs> if you want to know, is really to just be yourself because nobody can be you. So like I have a I have a good friend and neighbor in my town who also shoots boudoir and we have a lot of mutual friends and they're always like, oh, does it bother you that she does it? I'm like, no, I support her. I comment on her posts. I send people to her if I, you know, if I'm going through a surgery or something and I can't book someone, I send them to her. You know, I think it's great. She has a completely different eye than I do. She has a completely different view of the world than I do. So she'll never be me and I'll never be her. And that's true no matter how many photographers are out there, you know, and that's why for me on my social media, especially is so important for me to be vulnerable and authentic because that's nobody, nobody can compete with that. I'm not saying I'm better than somebody or worse than somebody. I'm just different than everybody else. Yeah. And I think that's where the money is, right? Just like being yourself, being different. And that's why some people come to you and some people go to somebody else. Right. Exactly. And I don't have to convince the people that are going to come to me that they should come to me. <laughs> you yeah. know, they just want to come to me. They just are like, okay, this is my girl. Yeah. So like you have obviously like a real good like uh, background and why you're shooting, why you're sh what you're shooting. So like, what do you want to achieve with the work that you're creating? I mean, for me now, you know, it's changed over the years. Um, for me now, really what I want to do is create awareness. The most important thing for me right now is that um, the awareness of breast cancer and early detection and self-check, um, but also normalizing, uh, I, I want to say, imperfect bodies. Um, you know, I have obviously, I've had a mastectomy. I've had a lot of surgeries for reconstruction. I have a ton of scars. I had chemo chemotherapy. I, I've been through the ringer and I take a lot of self portraits and I share what it looks like and, and as vulnerable. And, you know, every time I post one of those pictures, I hide for like at least three hours after because it's so vulnerable and it makes me nervous. But I know that doing it reminds women, especially to help take care of their bodies. And, you know, many women write to me, I just, I just booked my mammogram. Thank you. Or I just had a surgery and you've helped me through it. Um, whether you know it or not. So it's really just about awareness and empowerment through all sorts of trauma that we go through, not just cancer, you know, but women deal with a lot of trauma. I'm sure men do also. I just can't speak to that. Yeah. Um, but we tend to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. You know, women are like taught not to speak about things. Um, so just sort of breaking that ceiling a little bit and, and talking about the real struggles and and joys in life. That's that's really the goal with my work. So and does that also reflect in your work? Uh, like people that hire you, like, do you based on your like very personal story with like the 
cancer survivor, like, do you attract more people that went through the same ringer? Yes, for sure. For sure. I tend to right now be attracting two types of people. One is some sort of trauma survivor, which, um, like I just photographed a woman who's going through all sorts of health issues. She's actually at Cleveland clinic right now. I mean, you would look at her photos and be like, she is like a smoking hot mama. And yet she feels horrible about her body because she's going through so many surgeries and procedures and tests. And she has an ongoing medical issue that has really affected her life greatly. But she trusts me because she knows I get it. It might not be cancer, but I get it. Um, So that's one person. And then another person that I tend to be attracting a lot is somebody who wants to support somebody (laughs) who's gone through tough times and will say, you know what, I I love your message. I love what you're doing. It might not apply to me, but I want to help support you in that way. Uh, and keep your business going because, you know, and, and I think that you're an empathetic and loving person and I see what you share and I trust you. And that that's really a lot of it too. The more I share, the more authentic I am, the more people trust me. Yeah, that makes so much sense because I have like, I'm not like a cancer survivor. I'm not like really um, like focusing on people that survive things, but by being myself, I attract a certain like kind quote-unquote uh individuals Mm -hmm. so that makes so much sense that you by you sharing your personal story you get more people that are quote-unquote like you right right and exactly and those are usually the best people to work with too right right exactly because you really do connect on a deeper level and you know like i say for me i don't want it to just be about the photographs it needs to be about an, an experience yeah so before you had your cancer and you were like uh, already doing the boudoir thing right Mm -hmm. so what what did you do at that uh, before this story to like build your brand and get these people in the door as like one of five in the greater new york city area that was doing this work well in the very beginning um before i was really out there on social media i mean when i first started facebook was really just starting you know so it wasn't really facebook it wasn't social media there was no instagram and so i did i used to call it the cool girl principle but now it's what we know as influencers so i really kind of targeted influencers in my area very early on i immediately um you know i went for the path of least resistance in the very beginning and i thought to myself okay where is boudoir the most popular and at the time it was with brides. So I went to a local um, chat board for Long Island Brides and I offered to give away some sessions and advertise with them. And honestly, I they ran a contest for who would join, uh, for who would enter this, con- you know, this uh, contest to get free sessions. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, you know, one of the things is if they enter the contest, they have to sign a model release. They have to be able to share their images. So they agreed to that. So the, the contest was like a kissing contest. Post a photo of you and your significant other kissing and I'll pick the winner. The thing is, I didn't even care what the pictures look like. The win- I already knew who the winners were going to be. The winners were going to be the girls that were the popular girls, the ones that were the influencers on everybody else. And that's essentially how I got my entire business up and running. So the first year in business, I photographed about 125 women. My second year, I photographed about 300 women right from my bedroom uh, while I was stay-at-home momming, basically. Um, So that really got the ball rolling on my business the first two years. I really was able to just target those influencers. They they had had great photos, or at least I thought so at the time. Now they make me cringe. Um, Don't they they all? (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, the photos I took last week make me cringe. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all in that boat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, they were happy, they posted about them. And that was like the first time, you know, it was like the before the influencers were influencers. But that's how I really started my business. And um, it just kind of took off from there. And, you know, listen, I, I hit a snag about three years into business when I realized I was shooting so many women, but I wasn't really making enough money. You know, I was still sort of high volume, low cost. Mm -hmm. So I changed my pricing quite a bit to higher price, lower volume. And it did backfire on me for a little bit. A lot of the women from, you know, a lot of the brides really didn't appreciate it. Uh, They started calling me like an egotist and and narcissistic and whatever. And I just had to kind of ignore it, you know, and my makeup artist kept saying to me, you should see what they're saying about you. And I'm like, I don't care what they're saying about me. They don't pay my bills. They don't know my worth. And maybe they're not my client anymore, you know? 
Um, but I did go through a period of time where it was really touch and go. And then eventually people started booking me at the higher price and I did a lot less volume. And now I try to do even less volume and really, really, really connect with women um, and charge for the experience accordingly. Okay. So yeah, that's something that a lot of photographers go through because everybody starts at like the lower level and uh, like, I don't know, the all the, the, the shop sites and like the Groupons and like, I don't know, like whatever is out there just to get a deal. And, yeah, but and that can I just want to say something about that because like when I see people offering shoots for $50 or $100, I'm like, guys, come on. When I started 12 years ago, my lowest price was maybe $250, you know, $300. 12 years ago, like stop charging $50 for a shoot. You're killing me. I mean, at least charge a couple of hundred dollars. It's like, you know, it, it's just crazy. So what do you think that comes from? Well, I think that we have to remember now things are a little bit different also than they were 12 years ago in that everybody has a camera with them at all times. So really, they're not competing. Photographers are not competing with each other. Photographers are competing with cell phones. Um, and especially when you're talking about intimate photography, a woman can wake up and feel like, oh, I'm having a good day. I feel good about myself. I, my hair and makeup looks good. I'm going to take a picture and post it. And then they post it and everybody says, oh my God, you look so amazing. And, and what that's saying to them subconsciously or consciously is, uh, you know, you you uh, don't need a professional to do it. You look good enough, right? So we have to, as photographers, really make sure that we up our game. How are we going to make it so that um, we're taking pictures that they can't take themselves or make them look even better than they can make themselves look? So, you know, that's really where our competition is. Yeah. So what would you do if your competition was like me with a cell phone? Like, how would you approach that to uh, differentiate yourself from me as the cell phone hubby that's just like I have my iPhone with the portrait mode with the natural light and like all these different filtered gimmick thingies like right I mean I'm not really referring to other photographers with cell phones I'm talking about the fact that people take selfies so often um, and they and like you said they can throw it into portrait mode and they can take a picture and it looks great you know it does it looks great um, but they're not going to have the experience that they have with me and in addition there's certain creative things that we can do that people just can't do with cell phones you just you know a cell phone is not a camera it, it's, it has a lot of um, it's come a long way let's put it that way but it's still not a camera you know, so I think that it's really just about, again, the experience. Um, and because listen, I don't sell people on my gear. I don't say to them, I'm shooting with this camera. You want me Did you want to book a session with me? Or I'm shooting with my cell phone. You want to shoot, you know, book a session with me. People don't care what you take the picture with. They no. care how you make them feel. Yeah. Uh, and what their experience is going to be. And so that I really just focus on that. I mean, I'm a Nikon ambassador and I absolutely love my Nikon gear. Um, and, and I'm not I'm obviously public about being a Nikon ambassador, but it's not something that I put in my resume where I say I shoot Nikon. That's why you should book me. You know, it's you should book me because you love the work I do and the message and the connection and the authenticity and and you want to be a part of that regardless of what i photograph you with uh yeah there's a lot of photographers that like have on their about page like their gear list and stuff it's like so obnoxious at some like i don't need to know which diffuser you use <laughs> <laughs> you know but like uh coming to the point where you're like okay I have all this gear i talk about the experience like uh you want to shoot with me because you like the look of my work and you don't want your hubby to shoot you or like go the selfie route. Like, how do you present your work in a way that people understand that there's a difference? I mean, I think that the work really speaks for itself. Um, if I have to explain it to somebody, then they just don't get it anyway. You know what I mean? Like, I really think that the work speaks for itself. I think that um, there's plenty of people out there that I photograph that take plenty of selfies that just say to me, I can't wait to have an experience with you. They know, I mean, the hair and the makeup and the instruction and the guidance and what to wear and the whole thing. I mean, that's something different than they can do um themselves you know it's something special and i think that they get that and and i really do try to explain that quite a bit and i also try to really make it known that i am a posing expert so if you're afraid of how your body is going to look you should come to me because i know how to pose it to make it look good and i do that really through social media posts showing befores and afters um you know giving people tips and tricks on how to look better in camera and this way they know okay well she's going to tell me what to do the entire session so that's that's going to make it easy yeah so you you just touched the topic of social media like mm -hmm. is it is it important for you to get people in the door 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Social media is the marketing plan. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So what works for you? Like just posting pictures behind the scenes. Like uh, what is your strategy, if you will? on uh, the Instagrams and the social media, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I've really put most of my effort into Instagram at this point. Um, I might be making some changes on that in 2020. I haven't decided just yet. But most of my people are on Instagram. And that's really, that's what's really important. It's like, you know, who, who, you have to think about who your client is and where you're going to find them. So my clientele is a little bit older. Uh, they're not in their 20s, not necessarily even in their 30s for the most part. Most of my clientele is 40 and up at this point. Uh, most of it, not all of it. Um, but the 40 and ups are on Instagram. You know, the 40 and under are on TikTok, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's, it's like important to know, like, where are your people? So I think although TikTok is important and I do have a TikTok, I haven't really put that much work into it. Um, I think that like reels on Instagram is really important for me right now. Um, you know, my business really comes in two different ways. One is word of mouth and the second is social media. That's really it at the moment. Um, and I'm okay with that. And, and for me, it's about making sure I'm not just posting pretty pictures, but I'm giving reason for people to want to come to my page and see what I'm writing. And it's not just about the images. It's also about what they can learn and what be inspired by. So it's sort of all encompassing. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's always important to figure out where your people live. Like, for me, it's LinkedIn. Cause, right. Like, I'm like a headshot guy. So mm -hmm. I work a lot of business to business and professionals and, you know, all of that jazz. So for me, it's LinkedIn and uh, Instagram for me is pretty much like photographer. I right. just want to, like, see my stuff and learn from what I'm shooting and uh, reverse engineer or whatever, just like see my work. Yeah. See, it's interesting for me because I'm trying to reach three different audiences at the same time with the same photos and the same messages. I'm trying to reach photographers, clients, and breast cancer survivors. It's not so easy all the time. You know, like there's a lot of different, like there's a lot of photographers that are male and a lot of, you know, and, and how do I talk to them at the same time as talking to a breast cancer survivor? So that's, my biggest challenge with social media is like, how do I reach the people I want to reach and not turn off the people, you know, that I still want to reach, but maybe this post doesn't apply to. So it's, it's been a little uh, interesting in that way. And that's why I keep coming back to like, just being you, if you're just you, it will resonate with anybody. So you're not creating different posts for different audiences. You're just writing one post and uh, pretty much hope it will resonate with all of your three audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you just mentioned like a lot of males are following you. Mm -hmm. Like, do you see like a male shooting boudoir work? Do you mm -hmm. see difficulties there or like, cause as a woman, I think it's, I wouldn't say easier, but I think like women are more, um, I don't know, comfortable around another well, woman. Let me tell you the difference in my mind the, between a male and a female boudoir photographer. Yes. Um, first of all, I do have a lot of men following me. Second of all, I'm fairly lucky that I've been able to weed out a lot of the perverts, but they do exist. Um, I do think when I started really posting more about breast cancer, a lot of the perverts left, which was very nice because um, <laughs> they're really not so welcome on my page. Um, but listen, there's a lot of men that photograph boudoir and do it very, 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 very well. Are there men out there that uh, shouldn't be trusted? A hundred percent. So I really recommend to most men to have an assistant with them at all times to protect them. Uh, I recommend to, to clients if they're going to, you know, book a male, male photographer to have somebody with you. Um you know, you, you can't be too careful in this day and age. That said, let me tell you the difference in my mind between a male and a female photographer. When a client is photographed, well, let me let me back up and tell you a quick story. I, I remember um, years ago, I, I live in a neighborhood with a town pool, a really beautiful town pool. And every year they have a party to open up the pool, except for this year, of course, but they have this big party and the whole town shows up. And I remember sitting back in my chair and looking at all the people in the pool and all the women in the pool are wearing cover-ups, t-shirts, whatever. They're all covering their bodies. And let me tell you something. I live in a town where women really take care of themselves. They have amazing bodies. I mean, it's ridiculous how much money people spend here on gyms and plastic surgery and, you know, all the things. So, but they were all covering themselves up. And I thought to myself, what is going on here? Like, these women are amazing. Like, what are they doing? And what I realized was they were so afraid of being judged by other women, you know, like women 
do tend to, unfortunately, and this is changing a little bit now, but unfortunately, women tend to be judgmental of each other. So God forbid a woman sees another woman's cellulite or that they're not perfect or that over the winter, maybe they ate one too many hamburgers, you know, and they're not they're not absolutely perfect, which is stupid because we all know perfect doesn't exist. But they were they were all covering themselves up. So this is the thing about like what I learned from that and the difference between male and female photographers. When a woman gets half naked in front of another woman, we are paranoid that that woman is going to see our faults. They're going to go straight to our cellulite, our stretch marks, our scars, whatever it might be. With men, it's different. Don't forget, generally speaking, I'm, I'm just, you know, I realize that this is a huge generalization, but generally speaking, women are more comfortable getting naked in front of a man, you know, for something intimate, right? Um, obviously, if they're straight, if they're not, it's another story. And I'm not trying to exclude anybody, but I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Uh, and we know that if we take off our clothes and we put on lingerie and there's a guy standing in front of us, he's going to go, whoa, you're hot. You know, like he's not like, oh, you have a little cellulite, you have a stretch mark. Like men don't see those things. Mm -hmm. I've learned over the years. Men don't see those things. Only women see those things. Yeah. So... I think some women are more comfortable with women because they say, okay, well, this woman gets it or I'm safer. I don't have to worry about being assaulted or whatever it might be. And some women are more comfortable getting half naked in front of men and saying, you know what? I want that experience. I want somebody to see me like a man sees me. Like I can do a lot of things, but I cannot see a woman the way a man sees a woman. I'm just not capable of it because I don't have that brain. So there's, there's, you know, on both sides of the, uh, of the coin here, there's advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. Like I have that with uh, everybody that gets a headshot over here. Like everybody goes like, yeah, I don't like this. I don't like the other thing. Like, whatever it's like yeah you are so trained to your own body that you yeah. see these imperfections because you looked in the mirror for i don't know 20 odd years right. and you are so used to your curves your face your imperfections in your face like the eye difference like whatever the right. crooked nose like whatever people see because right. they're so trained and maybe women see that in other women faster because yeah. they're uh, used to a feminine face right and men just look for the the beauty in the opposite sex if you right. are attracted to the opposite sex and right. for like a guy that is into guys like maybe it works the other way around but like point being like if you're used to your own face and you attract the same sex, then you see these things in another person with the same sex. And if not, then you are not trained to see it and you just see the beauty. Right. Listen, we, we all see people differently, right? I mean, have you ever like dated somebody who maybe wasn't like, you're not like, uh, you're like, oh, okay, they're cute, but I don't know if they're really my type. And then they do you date them. And then you know, they do so many nice things. And you realize what a good person they are. And all of a sudden, they become much more handsome or much more beautiful. Or the other way around, sometimes we find people attractive and then they do things that are not so attractive and their looks change to us, you know? So when you love somebody, when you care about somebody, when you hold space for somebody, you see the beauty in them, generally speaking. I mean, I do. And I think it's partially why people, women like to be photographed by me because I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, look at her cellulite. Look, I'm just like, no, you're good. We got this, you know? Um, so it's important to get that message out there also that that's not what I'm looking at. Like when I'm looking at you, I'm looking at how the light hits you or the shape of your body or how your body moves and how I can pose it to flatter you the best way or, you know, shapes. And, you know, it's, it's just educating our clients on that. Yeah. Like I have people in the studio all the time that go like, yeah, I don't like this. And then I, they just like point something out. And it's like, can't fucking see it. Like, right. oh my walk, God, out, walk over to the monitor because I'm shooting tethered. Like, point at it. Like, touch the monitor. Yeah. And I still can't see it. And then I go like, okay, there's, I don't know, like 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. There's 6 billion point nine 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 whoever that see you the same way. There's only one person on this earth that sees you different than everybody else. And right. that's you. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And then people really understand that the perception of themselves is way different than everybody else in the world. And way worse. And usually way worse. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny, I because I know you've done some stuff with Peter Hurley. I had dinner with uh, Peter and a few people once and we, you know, at a photography convention. And I have always felt like very self-conscious of my nose. I have a, I don't think my nose is very flattering. So 
I said to him, Peter, you're going to have to show me one day, like the exact angle that I need to pose at so that it, it minimizes my nose. And he was like, why do you want to minimize your nose? And I said, well, you know, I've always wanted to have a nose job. I just, I don't really like my nose. And he said to me, and you'll appreciate because you know, Peter, he said to me, don't be one of those bitches that takes the personality out of their face, please. <laughs> <laughs> that so sounds like him. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And I was like, all righty then. Yeah. (laughs) He's kind of right. You know, like when people that we love have these unique traits, we tend to love them even more because they are unique to that person. Yeah. Every facial feature is unique and makes people more likable and unique uh, at the same time. It's like, yeah. It differentiates us humans from one another. Yep. So like now with the face masks and everything, like everybody like starts to look more alike and it's weird. Like we're missing half the face. Yeah. So uh, during a shoot, do you like work with other people? Do you have like professionals on set, like makeup and like all of all of that we do hair and makeup prior to the session and then the hair and makeup artists leave and it's just me and the client okay so when you have like makeup and hair people like how do you select or like how do you figure out which hair and makeup person you want to work with like do you look at the way that they present themselves or do you just look at their work or like how do you, how do you get them? Yeah, I've had the same team for about eight years now. Um, it was very important to me that not only do they do good work, but they listen to my clients, they listen to me, and also that what I like to say to them is I'm not looking for a salon environment here because salons when you go into a salon it's very catty and very (laughs) judgmental so I always say like we you know we're gonna create an environment here that's warm and welcoming and non-judgmental and I have an amazing team I'm very lucky yeah if they're sticking around for eight years yeah my makeup artist has been with me even longer but my my hairdresser about yeah eight years so it's it's pretty amazing So how did you find them? So I found my makeup artist because uh, somebody back in the day before I had hair and makeup in the studio, people used to come with their hair and makeup done. And one woman came with really beautiful makeup. And I was like, I love your makeup. Who did it? And I contacted her and, um, you know, the rest is history there. And then um, I had a different hairdresser who ended up leaving because she had a baby and whatnot. So um, I actually asked my makeup artist to help me find a hairdresser because she knows them and you know, she was doing a lot of weddings at the time and she knew more so, you know, what people were like, you know, and who she worked with. So she said, I worked with this woman named Tony. I really liked her. Why don't we give her a try? And we did. And she's still with me now. Okay. So building a team is based on trust. Oh yeah, for sure. Cool. So you've been like, you just mentioned, like you've been shooting for like what, 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been going at it for like quite a while and you're going to talk at the Personal Branding for Photographers Virtual Summit. So we're not going to give away all the keys to the castle yet. But what would be a valuable piece of advice for those that are just listening to the podcast if they want to start out with boudoir photography? Um, So one thing that I like to tell people is that, you know, with boudoir photography, you really only have one chance to make an impression. Um, There's a lot of photographers out there that kind of jump into it and don't really know how to pose or how to light and they make their clients look uh, not as flattered as they could, let's put it that way. And, you know, women are very sensitive when they see themselves half naked, even if you do an amazing job, they tend to go, is that me? You know, they're not used to seeing themselves that way. So I would just let people know that it's actually more than just picture taking. It is a responsibility. It really does affect people emotionally and mentally when they see photos of themselves this way. So just to make sure that you educate yourself, you get some practice in, you know what you're doing at least a little bit before you jump into it, which is so, I get it. It's so hypocritical of me to even say that because I didn't, but I did study the human body through drawing for years and years and years and years before I even picked up a camera. Um, so I would say to just be you know, really cautious about the education and knowing how to work with women and make them feel good. So what would be a good thing for people to get educated? Like what would, what would people do? So I think the number one thing is posing, really learning how women's bodies work and posing. I mean, obviously I have a lot of education on it. Um, if I'm, if I can pimp myself, um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram. I give out a lot of posing tips on there. Um, I have, you know, posing guides and workshops and all of that. 
But I think just really learning how the body works, studying posing from really as many people as you can. The more people you study posing from, the better. Um, And realize everybody has their own way and you need to make your own way also. So not to just do what people tell you to do, but to take what people teach you and make it your own. Okay, that makes total sense. Like a lot of people like look at other photographers and try and copy them at first. And then they they (laughs) just mosey away from that and like make it their own and do something different. Yeah. And I think it it's the same thing with boudoir. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that um, there's an expression that I have that's boudoir is who you are. And I say that to my clients all the time when they say to me, well, I don't really want to wear lingerie. Can I wear this? Can I wear that? I say, listen, boudoir is who you are. You could wear whatever you want. But the truth of the matter is boudoir is who you are on the other side of the lens also. Uh, what we do is so personal to how we see the world, how we see women, um, so just be true to who you are. And if something works for you, go with it. If it doesn't, just because a, a, a professional that you perceive has more you know, experience or knowledge than you do says it's not okay. If it works for you, do it. Make your own way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Makes total sense. I like that. Boudoir is hard. I love yeah. that. That should be a quote on your site. Is that a quote on your site? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. If not, slap it on it. Right, there you go. I think that's awesome. Like, do it before everybody else does it. Well, listening to this thing, like, <laughs> you want to make you want to make sure you're the first. It's uh, it's your thing. So, yeah. Um, like, what? Like, you you obviously a successful boudoir photographer. Like, you're doing all these things. You're teaching. You're speaking. You're endorsed. Like you're on top of the industry, if you will. And if you're not, I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, But what is something that you're still struggling with? I mean, right now, the biggest struggle is COVID. Um, You know, November, October, November were really busy for me. And then all of a sudden our numbers went up and it just died off again. Like when I say died off, I mean zero clients. Mm-hmm. I have I have sessions booked for 2021. I think when people have wishful thinking uh, right now, but that is a struggle for me. Um, not just because, you know, of getting clients in, but because I have two kids that I'm doing school with from home. I have to be here with them, you know? So yeah. uh, how many places can I be at the same time is really my biggest struggle right now as far as COVID is concerned. Um, it is difficult to navigate at the moment and I am just holding on. And, and listen, I got to tell you, and I've told many photographers, if you have to do something else to make money right now, just do it. You know, don't feel any shame in it. Um, I've been doing some other work um, that's related to photography, but is not necessarily boudoir. I've been doing some work um, on social media, helping some people with their social media. Um, You know, I still have to pay rent. I I made a decision when COVID started that I was not going to ask my landlord for any help. I was going to figure out a way to pay my rent every single month and pay my bills every single month Mm -hmm. um, regardless. And I have been able to do that and still take a smaller salary, but some salary and, and, you know, pay all my bills. Um, so that is something that I am personally very proud of, but I have had to pick up some other work and I've had to pivot and, and say, you know, what other skills do I have that I can use, you know, with and without my camera to make money. And, and that's what I've been doing. So I say that, you know, again, business is a living and breathing object. And, and I think that in moments of, um, moments like this are really make or break you, you know, like you can sit in a corner and cry and say, Oh man, I don't have any business. I don't know what to do. I'm going to just let my business dry up. Or you can say, you know, maybe the universe is pushing me into a different direction or opening up my eyes to something else that could be very profitable for me for a reason and and kind of surrender to that. Yeah. And if we take COVID out of the equation and let's say you have like a very flourishing 2018 business uh, at mm-hmm. this point. Like, what is something you're not good at? Work-life balance. Okay. <laughs> I think that that's hard. I think, you know, listen, I am... Um... It's funny because I think in the industry, people perceive me as like, you know, full time, you know, photographer who busts bud and is always working. And I am that. But also I fit it into much smaller hours because I still like to be here at three o'clock when my kids get out of school. Um, So like if you ask my kids, does mommy work? They probably say, no, mommy doesn't do anything because she's always here when we're here, you know, but the truth is that when they're at school, like in a normal world, when they're in school, I'm trying to fit all of my work into those short hours. 
um, you know, separate from my travel, obviously when I'm traveling, they know that I'm working, but when I'm here, I still try to be here and it's hard. And I do hear from them a lot. Can you get off your phone? You're never off your phone. I'm like, I just need to answer one more email or I just have to get back to this person. And you know how it is. What we do is very international. So you're talking to people from all over the world all the time. It's not, you know, it's not a nine to five job. You know, people would always say, oh, you're so lucky that you, you know, have your own business. And I would say, yeah, I traded my nine to five job for my 24 seven one. You know, it's there, there is no nine to five with what we do. So it's really always a matter of putting out fires. Yeah. It never ends. Yeah. Yeah. So like I just mentioned before that you are a successful boudoir photographer, but in your opinion, like what is, what is success? Like when are you successful? Mm. That's a really, really, really good question. Um, huh. I think that I know a lot of people would probably say, well, success has nothing to do with money. And although I do agree with that, um, I do think that it is a it is a recipe. It's not one thing or another. It's a recipe. It has to do with are you reaping the benefit of the work that you're putting in financially, emotionally, you know, mentally and physically? Is it is it fulfilling you in, in all those different ways? You know, we have different cups that we need to fill up is your work filling up all those cups to your satisfaction? If it is, then I believe it's success. Um, If it's not, I'm not saying it's not successful, but maybe it's just different. Like for example, right now, it's not necessarily filling up the financial cup the way it was before because of COVID, but it's filling up all my other cups does that mean I'm not successful? No, it means like in the moment, that's the best I can do. And maybe I have to, like I said, find something else to fill up that cup, and then I'm successful. You know, so for me, it's success in life, not just in business is really just about, you know, filling those cups and, you know, knowing what those what those are, and what makes it work. So you know, it's not about numbers, necessarily, or how many zeros are at the end of your paycheck. It's like, is it filling it up for you and being aware of for you, what you need from your business. And I I really believe that, especially in a creative business like this, it should add to your life, not necessarily, um, it it should add joy to your life. It's yes, it's stressful moments. And there it's hard to do. And it's consistency and showing up all the time and always trying to find new clients. But that if you're really successful, that you find that it adds joy and it adds pleasure to your life. Okay. And when we like zoom in to miss Mrs. Jen Rosenbaum, like, yes. when are you successful? <laughs> um, when am I successful? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be really vulnerable here for a minute. Can I be like super vulnerable? Yeah. Well, talk, this is the place. About- All right. So I'll talk about something I haven't really been public about yet. Um, I am currently going through a divorce. <laughs> so I'm going back to Ms. Jen Rosenbaum. Um, and that's been and that like on top of COVID <laughs> and all the other things. It's really crazy. But I have to tell you, I um, it was very, very difficult decision for me to come to because I felt quite a bit of shame about it. And I felt, uh, even now as I'm talking about it, I feel my heart rate is picking up. Um, I felt a lot of shame about it and a lot of fear about it. And um, But I realize now, sitting here even talking to you, is that I am successful because I listened to my inner voice and I, I did what was right for me. And I know that what I'm doing is the right decision, even though it was really, really, really a hard, scary one. Um, and for me, that's what I think is really successful um, in life is when you can really listen to your inner voice, your intuition, and you do things that are the right things to do for you and push you towards the right things that are meant for you, even if it's scary as hell. Yeah. And I think this like newsflash story that you just like told is going to help you become a better photographer because you can relate to your clients even more because you lived through another thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, I haven't spoken about it publicly on my social media because I'm not quite ready to speak about it yet, if that makes sense. Like I could say to somebody I'm getting divorced, but then it always comes with like a lot of questions and, and, you know, concerns and there's a lot of I'm sorry's and I'm not looking for pity, you know, and any of that. So I haven't really um, been open about it for that reason. But I know that I will be at some point. Um, I will be able to open up about that. And, um, you know, we'll see where it takes me. Hey, good for you that you are uh, doing things that are making you happy and that are building you as a successful individual beyond the personal life and the professional life but just like focusing on you very personally you're doing all the right things to becoming like the best person that you want to be even though i hate that fucking sense but 
like it's, let me tell you it's true though i've i've lived through so much in my life yeah <laughs> i can tell you that it's true i mean listen if i didn't suffer from infertility i would not even be here talking to you right now i wouldn't have had a business i wouldn't have you know there's so many beautiful things that have come from such tragic events in my life and so that part of it doesn't scare me in fact that part of it excites me i know in this decision to uh, release myself from the marriage um, and, and a relationship that was not healthy for me, that relationship held me down. I mean, you know, you say to me, oh, you know, you are, you know, well known in the industry or you're, you know, revered in the industry as somebody who knows a lot about boudoir. Great. I really appreciate that. And I do feel I've had a lot of success, but I've also done so while managing a, mar- a marriage that was a very difficult situation. Now that I won't have that, I wonder what's in store for me, (laughs) you know, like, I wonder what I'll really be capable of. It might be less. It might be that I need to be here more for my children and my priorities change. It might be more. I might have more free time. I don't know. I don't know. But it's kind of exciting to find out. Yeah. And you're still relatable to a lot of people because a lot of people go through the same issues in life. Mm -hmm. So it's like being open about it is never a bad thing. Like, I'm an open book on everything that I post, uh, and that gets me awareness, clients, and people that like me, and I'm not even talking about followers or whatever. Like, I don't really care about any of that. But uh, I like the responses and the people that give me support. Your vibe attracts your tribe. Yep. And if you don't share what you're thinking or what you're going through, there's no way you can get support. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which right. is why every day I wake up and I say, should I should I announce it today on my Instagram? I go, uh Well, when this podcast goes out, the world's gonna know. So <laughs> I'm blowing up my own spot now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can do that cheesy thing. Like you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's go back to a positive spin and like even like with all the things going on right now, like what are the goals for the upcoming years? Yeah, the goal for the upcoming year is to survive my divorce. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, for me this year, I plan on hopefully really building my business back up once we are allowed to and hopefully this vaccine works and you know, we get we get back on our feet. Um, I do have some work that I'm putting into the breast cancer realm for me. I just released my book in print. Um, it's a, it's a, can I, are we cursing on this show or not? Sure. You can say fuck (laughs) and shit and whatever. Like nobody gives a freaking flying bat in hell. So let's go nuts. Right. The title of the book is called What the Fuck Just Happened? A Survivor's Guide to Life After Breast Cancer. Um, I wrote it. I came out digitally a few months ago, but it's in print as of today, actually. So um, if anyone wants it, they can find it on Amazon. Uh, And I plan on doing some work around that this year, you know, photographing more survivors, bringing more awareness and some other projects that I have in the works. I'm probably going to be launching a cancer podcast uh, or a life after cancer podcast. And, um, you know, just just giving what the universe gave to me and turning it into something amazing. Yeah. And uh, for those that are interested in your book, I'll link a link to your book uh, in the show notes of this podcast. So if people are interested, they can just go into the show notes and find the link to the book. Cool. So there's that. Uh, You got that. Um, uh, since we're talking links and stuff, like what is the best way where people can learn more about you and like follow your journey? Sure. There's really two main places to go. One is jenrosenbaum.com and don't forget it's spelled with a Z R O Z E N B A U M. Um, or Instagram is really the best, best place because that's where like my daily thoughts go up. It's not something I don't, I don't organize my social media ahead of time. <laughs> I'm not that organized. Uh, so everything is kind of real every day. Um, and my handle is Jen Rosenbaum. Alrighty. And we also put these in the show notes. So Jen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I love that conversation. Like it's been so awesome. So really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. We part ways. Let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauricejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.